Hello and welcome to Red Arrow Camp's Sunday Chapel Talks. Right about now, if this was a regular Sunday at Red Arrow Camp, you'd find yourself amongst the rows of old and new friends as someone's tapping gently on the piano keys behind you. If it was a sunny day, the sun's rays would be filtering through the lakeside pine trees, making the stained glass glow. Or, if it was raining, you would hear the soft patter of rain on the roof tiles and watch as the water trails down the windows. But, since we're not in the rec hall this morning, let's take a moment, close our eyes, and remember as we listen to Tungan Castaways, written in red by Eric Roach. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. It was 1966 in the South Pacific Ocean, near a chain of islands named Tonga, where a sailor named Pete Warner captained his boat solo for several days, far outreaching civilization by choice. He was on his way from Tasmania to his fishing fleet outside of Tonga. Tonga itself is a Polynesian sovereign state of islands directly south of Samoa and about two-thirds of the way from Hawaii to New Zealand. Peter went to work for his father's company, yet the sea still beckoned. And whenever he could, he went to Tasmania, where he kept his own fishing fleet. It was this that brought him to Tonga in the winter of 1966. On the way home, he took a little detour, and that's when he saw it. A minuscule island in the Azure Sea named Atta. The island had been inhabited once until one dark day in 1863 when a slave ship appeared on the horizon and sailed off with the natives. Since then, Atta has been deserted, cursed, and forgotten. Peering through his binoculars on this particular point of the voyage, Peter noticed something odd as he peered through his binoculars. He saw burned patches on the green cliffs. In the tropics, it's unusual for fires to start spontaneously, he later explains over a half century later. Then he saw a boy, naked, hair down to his shoulders. This wild creature leaped from the cliffside and plunged into the water. Suddenly, more boys followed, screaming at the top of their lungs. It didn't take long for the first boy to reach the boat. My name is Stephen, he cried in perfect English. There are six of us, and we reckon we've been here for over 15 months. The boys, once aboard, claimed they were students at a boarding school in Nakuka Lofa, the Tongan capital. Sick of school meals, they had decided to take a fishing boat out one day, only to get caught in a storm. Likely story, Peter thought. Using his two-way radio, he called Nakukalofa. I've got six kids here, he told the operator. Stand by, came the response. Twenty minutes ticked by. Finally, a very tearful operator came on the radio and said, You found them. These boys have been given up for dead. Funerals have been held. If it's them, this is a miracle. The six boys were named Sion, Stephen, Kolo, David, Luke, and Mano all students at a strict Catholic boarding school on Nakoka Lofa. The oldest was 16, the youngest 13, and they had one main thing in common. They were bored witless. They came up with a plan to escape to Fiji, some 500 miles away, 
or even all the way to New Zealand. There was only one obstacle. None of them owned a boat. So they decided to borrow one from a fisherman they all liked, rather disliked very much. The boys took little time to prepare for this voyage. Two sacks of bananas, a few coconuts, and a small gas burner were all the supplies they packed. It didn't occur to any of them to bring a map, let alone a compass. No one noticed the small craft leaving the harbor that evening. Skies were fair, only a mild breeze ruffled the calm sea. But that night the boys made a grave error. They fell asleep. A few hours later they awoke to water crashing down over their heads. It was dark. They hoisted the sail, which the wind promptly tore to shreds. Next to break was the rudder. We drifted for eight days, Mano explains, years later, without food, without water. The boys tried catching fish. They managed to collect some rainwater and hollowed out coconut shells and shared it equally between them, each taking a sip in the morning and another in the evening. Then on the eighth day, they spied a miracle on the horizon, a small island to be precise, not a tropical paradise with waving palm trees and sandy beaches, but a hulking mass of rock jutting up more than a thousand feet out of the ocean. These days, Ata is considered uninhabitable. But by the time Captain Warner arrived to the island that day, he observed shockingly that the boys had set up a small commune with a food garden, hollowed out tree trunks to store rainwater, a gymnasium with curious weights, a badminton court, chicken pens, and a permanent fire, all from handiwork, an old bl knife blade, and much determination. They tended their campfire flame so it never went out for more than a year. The boys agreed to work in teams of two, drawing up a strict roster for garden, kitchen, and guard duty. Sometimes they quarreled, but whenever that happened, they solved it by imposing a timeout. Their days began and ended with a song and prayer. Kolo fashioned a makeshift guitar from a piece of driftwood, half a coconut shell, and six steel wires salvaged from their wrecked boat. An instrument, an instrument Peter has kept all of these years. And he played it to help lift their spirits. And their spirits needed lifting. All summer long it hardly rained, driving the boys frantic with thirst. They tried constructing a raft in order to leave the island, but it fell apart in the crashing surf. Worst of all, Stephen slipped one day, fell off a cliff, and broke his leg. The other boys picked their way down after him and then helped him back to the top. They set his leg using sticks and leaves. Don't worry, Sion joked. We'll do your work while you lie there like the king himself. They survived initially on fish, coconuts, tame birds. They drank the blood as well as eating the meat. Seabird eggs were sucked dry. Later, when they got to the top of the island, they found an ancient volcanic crater where people had lived a century before. There the boys discovered wild taro, bananas and chickens, which, which had been reproducing for the hundred years since the last Tongans had left. They were finally rescued on Sunday, September 11th in 1966. The local doctor later expressed astonishment at their muscled physiques 
and Stephen's perfectly healed leg. But this wasn't the end of the boy's little adventure, because when they arrived back in Nakukalofa, police boarded Peter's boat, arrested the boys, and threw them in jail. Mr. Taniella, whose sailing boat the boys had borrowed 15 months earlier, was still furious, and he decided to press charges. The boys were placed in prison for some time until Captain Warner paid Mr. Taniella for the cost of the stolen boat. The Tongan castaways' live, lives and character were forever changed after their harrowing experience. Fifteen months stranded on a deserted island will do that to you. The game was quite simple, really. Having learned a hard lesson with their reckless and ill-equipped escape, karma ultimately caught up to, with them. The six boys needed to make a choice, with a following commitment to one another if they were going to thrive and survive. Faced with life or death, the boys somehow realized that the character traits that were necessary to survive were already inside each of them, but their potential never realized until now. Yes, courage, teamwork, support, physical and mental strength, faith, trust, patience, and resilience were essential traits that were realized individually for each boy and most importantly, the entire group. Resilience is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Toughness. Individually, they were limited, but as a group, they became brothers who found and passed the ultimate test of resiliency. Their adventurous spirit, while noble, led them to face what appeared to be an insurmountable obstacle. With no gear, they faced tremendous fear, hunger, bad weather, and the reality that they were lost in the middle of the ocean with no certainty they would ever be found. The Tonga Six had a choice to make, individually and as a group. Would they sit idle and fear, hoping for a miracle? Or would they find parts of their inner selves that ignited a fire of instincts that guided their survival together? No man is an island. They needed each other to survive. Together, they found harmony in their struggle. You see, boys, struggles are required in life. Because in order to stand up, you gotta know what falling down is like. Now, I'm not suggesting you campers grab the nomad sailboat and escape to haunted island in the middle of the night in defiance of your counselors to see what you are made of. However, the Tongan castaways offer us an inspiring reminder that it is our reaction to adversity, not the adversity itself, that determines how our own life stories will develop. You are not what happens to you. You are what you choose to become. Be safe and well. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Chapel Talk. The leaders of our Red Arrow family truly have a lot to teach us. If you're looking for more insightful Chapel Talks to listen to, whether they'd be from Eric, Bob, Butch, Dave, or Drew, be sure to head over to www.redarrowfamily.com.